0: Welcome to the Joy of Sunflowers podcast. We release podcasts here, in part, and in full on the Joy of Sunflowers website. The Joy of Sunflowers podcast is about sisterhood through infertility and pregnancy loss. We cover a range of topics including fertility, pregnancy after loss, and so much more. I speak with a range of people including wellness professionals, medical experts, and beautiful mamas. The aim of this podcast is to bring you information and experiences that will validate and equip you for whatever season you find yourself in right now. Hi Janessa, welcome to the Joy of Sunflowers. Thank you so much for
1: joining me and everyone. Uh, please tell us all a little bit about you. Hi Ella, thank you so much for having me. I am a mama to two little
2: kids. We live in Boise, Idaho in the state. I have quite the story of loss, and I'm just so grateful that you have me on here today to share about it. So my loss story starts in 2014. We had tried to have a baby for about a year. We found out we were pregnant, and we were so excited, so excited, as everybody is, and everything was going great. We saw the heartbeat at eight weeks. We were just so excited, and... Around 10 weeks, I started to hemorrhage, and we lost our sweet baby to a subchorionic hemorrhage at 10 weeks, and I just remember being so angry, and that loss just rocked me. I remember laying on an air mattress in my living room because I didn't want to lay down in my bed and wake up every morning not feeling sick anymore. I was so sick and i would have given anything to have been sick again so i slept on an air mattress in my living room for like a for like a month i was just so angry a miscarriage happens to other people and it doesn't happen to you you know until it does and um, it completely wronged. it completely rocked me so i had that miscarriage and i Um, went four months without a cycle. And in those four months, we kind of realized that I had um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I ended up talking to my doctor about it. And he ended up prescribing Clomid. So we took Clomid and we got pregnant that first that first try, we were really lucky. And I got pregnant with my little girl had no complications. I went to 42 weeks overdue with her. And the pregnancy was like picture perfect. I was sick, but like no complications whatsoever. And so we kind of just figured that like the first one was just kind of a fluke. And we started trying when she was about a year and it took us about seven months to get pregnant. So we did comb it again and we got pregnant again. And about seven weeks I started bleeding a little bit. So we just went in to get it checked and it was a blighted ovum where the sap grows, but the baby does not. And I don't know why But I don't really remember much about that pregnancy, how it passed, anything that happened. It was just kind of a loss of a... It felt to me like it was like a loss of a pregnancy, not necessarily a loss of a baby because like a baby hadn't grown yet, if that makes sense. So after that loss, we got pregnant really quickly after. I think it was one or two months after that. And we got pregnant and I was sick and saw baby's heartbeat at eight weeks and... 12 weeks and 16 weeks and we were on vacation with my family in California and um, I woke up in a lot of pain that morning September 18th of 2017 I woke up in a lot of pain I thought I had a kidney stone I went to the bathroom and I thought I had the thought did my water just break and I was like I'm 20 weeks my water did not just break like that did not just happen So I went about my day, we went to the beach, and I realized that I was bleeding quite a bit. Um, My doctor was about an hour and a half away. So we um, took off on the hour and a half drive to the hospital. And halfway through our drive to the hospital, I realized that my pain was coming every three or yeah, every three minutes and lasting for about 60 seconds. And I was like, that's that's labor like this isn't like this isn't a good sign so we got to the hospital and pretty quickly learned that our baby had passed within one or two weeks of that day and so I delivered our little baby boy jet in the hospital and we held him for a while and uh, it's heartbreaking I just I miss him so much I think about him every single day um it's heartbreaking. We found a little plot. We buried him about a week and a half later, and that little space has become so, so special for our family. After that, we did it again um, about two months later, and I got pregnant with my little boy, that I have right now, his name is Brixton, and that pregnancy was hard. It was a very hard pregnancy. I've been sad, like before that, I'd been sad. Um, but I didn't really understand depression until I was pregnant with him. I was low, just couldn't see the light. It was dark, and I was fearful I was gonna lose him. No, at no point did I feel safe. Um, like usually they say, like, when you hit 12 weeks, you're safe, but I didn't feel that. I even up to 20 weeks, I wasn't safe. And so there was never a moment of like, I can breathe, this pregnancy is going to be fine, you know. Um, I ended up doing like progesterone shots from like 16 weeks on and his pregnancy was, I mean, fairly easy, just filled with a lot of darkness and depression, which was really hard. Um, <clears throat> but I ended up delivering him at 37 weeks due to like slightly elevated blood pressure and the doctor just not wanting to like push our chances. So, um, after him, I had the two kids and I just was like, I'm just going to enjoy my two kids for a while. So we enjoyed the two of them for about two and a half years. And it was the best two and a half years, like not having to try, not having to like worry about anything and just like loving on my babies. But when he was about two and a half, we started to, um, try again and it took us six months on Clomid, six rounds of Clomid and, I had gotten to like the end of my rope, like I can't do Quomid anymore. We had started talking about whether or not this was like the end, if we were just going to just have the two kids. So on that last round of Quomid, the day I was supposed to start it, my doctor called and upped my dosage. And so I took it and we found out we were pregnant and... That pregnancy was also really hard, even though I'd already had successful pregnancy after a loss. That pregnancy was still so hard and still so like so depressing. I laid in bed all the time. I was sick. I just didn't see any motivation to do anything. There was no light that just it was just it's scary. My husband's job changed in that pregnancy. And we moved to one of the seven wonders of the world. (laughs) We moved to the Grand Canyon in Arizona. We were right outside the national park and it was very remote. We were an hour and a half from the grocery store. It was a move I did not want to make. We had just moved away from family. So we got there, we moved in and my 16 week appointment was supposed to be a week later. But because we had just moved, my insurance hadn't um, switched over yet So we drove back to Utah, where we had been living, and I went to my doctor that I had been seeing. So we had just moved. My little girl um, was missing her friends, so I decided, like, how fun would it be to take my little girl to my 16-week checkup and let her see the baby on the ultrasound and then let her go play with her friends, like, do a play date after my checkup. So I lay down on the bed and he puts the ultrasound wand on my belly and I thought for sure, maybe my pants were just not low enough. Like he couldn't get a good picture. So I pulled my pants lower and he was like, hold on for a second. And so I just laid there and he was like, hold on for a second. And baby wasn't moving on the ultrasound. And that was my first experience with there's no heartbeat. All my other losses, like I lost my baby or I lost Jet, like I delivered him before I knew he'd passed. And the blighted ovum there was never a heartbeat, you know. And with the um subcoronic hemorrhage, like baby never lost their heartbeat, like up until as far as I had seen. And so this was the first, there's I'm so sorry, there's no heartbeat. And my little girl was right there so excited to see baby sister. And it's <laughs> it heartbreaking. It was the moment that I realized that. Our loss of Jet probably wasn't a fluke, but there were no answers. We had both babies like genetically tested and the placenta tested and autopsy is done and both babies came back completely genetically normal, physically normal. Everything was normal. Just their heart's beating. So I ended up having a DNC or a DNE. When you're further along, it's a DNE. And... I wanted to get pregnant again so quickly after all of those pregnancies. I just wanted to be pregnant by the next due date. I just needed to be pregnant by the due date. And it became kind of like this frantic thing. And I was told that I'd taken too many rounds of letrozole and they weren't going to, or sorry, Clomid, and they weren't going to let me take Clomid anymore. And so I like dove deep into healing my body. I'm like, I want a baby and I can't take the medicine that will help me have a baby, so I started getting rid of all the toxins in our home and switching out all of my products. And I thought maybe I had celiac disease, so I cut out gluten and I did all these things. And finally, I found a doctor who was like, well, let's try cl- or let's try letrozole. It's this, it basically does the same thing as clomid with like less side effects. So I did a few rounds with that and finally found the dosage that worked and found out that I was pregnant end of 2021, like December of 2021, that pregnancy was hard. I lived an hour and a half away from the doctors and those doctors weren't even like maternal fetal medicine. They didn't have all the know-how. So they were sending me even three more hours away. It was like a really long drive. It was very stressful. I was taking baby aspirin and methylated folate. Like we were trying different things. Hoping that that would help this baby stick. And I was feeling so sick, like I had felt all the other pregnancies, like I was very hopeful about this one. And in early March of 2022, um, I went in for my 15 week um, appointment. And again, there was no heartbeat and no more answers. Again, another perfect, genetically normal, sweet little boy. And No answers. But after that one, we were able to meet, that was finally three, let's see, no, it wasn't three losses in a row. They weren't willing to do testing until I had three losses in a row. But with that one being two um, second trimester losses in a row, they were willing to start doing testing for me. All my testing came back normal. Still no answers, but I finally was able to meet with um, some fertility specialists that were willing to like try different things. And so we tried blood thinners and we tried a steroid and we tried all these different things and all of these different things. I was so excited, like one of them. One of these like five or six different treatments like has to keep our baby here. Right. One of them. And so we went into this pregnancy and I did shots twice a day in my belly and I did all the suppositories and I took all the medicines. I had to like buy like this huge extensive like storage system to like separate all all my medicines so that I could take them at the right times of the day. And I was perfect. I didn't miss a shot. I didn't miss a medicine. Like I was perfect on time. Like my, full-time job was keeping that baby's little heart beating. In that time in between those two pregnancies, um we had basically told my husband's employer that we weren't getting the care we needed when we lived at the Grand Canyon and so they worked with us to find a new place to get better care. We moved to Boise in the end of August of last year, 2022. And so I was so excited. We had good doctors and I was being seen every single week by like specialists. And I was on all of these shots and all of this medication. And I woke up the morning of my 16 week checkup. And I think I just knew my mind wasn't very nice to me. I was like picturing in my head how I was going to call my husband, how I was going to call my mom, how I was going to tell them that like this could be a past two, like kind of morbid, but I dropped my little boy off at the babysitter and I drove to the doctor's office and sure enough, there was no heartbeat. And there was, again, there was, I'm so, so sorry. There's no heartbeat at my 16 week appointment. I did some more testing and everything came back normal. And that was August of 2022. And here we are in 2023 and still have no more answers. That's my, that's my story. I miss all six of them so much and think about them daily. And there's a purpose for this, but I'm not totally sure
1: what it is yet. It's hard when you lose a baby, um, especially when you know, you know, like we we know how important they are and how special they are and it just makes it a bit harder
2: mhm
1: yeah when you i mean it doesn't matter
2: how far along you are a miscarriage is a loss and it hurts um i've lost 7 weeks i've lost 10 weeks i've lost 20 weeks 16 15 16 like they all hurt and they all hurt in their own ways but especially when you find out like what gender they are, um, you start buying their clothes and you start getting excited and like talking about names. Like they are a special,
1: special spot in your heart, and it is so, so hard to lose them. Yeah, yeah. And I was speaking to someone the other day, and she said, um, "You know, you're a mother as soon as you're pregnant, and yeah, your heart changes the second those two pink lines show up, and even if the baby isn't here." You know, that baby is still yours and you're still (laughs) to that Mm -hmm. baby. Yes. And
2: you give everything to help them grow and eat healthy and get the sleep you need and take the medications you're supposed to. you do everything to care for them, even though they're not physically in your arms. And it's hard. It's hard to lose that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know what it feels like to kind of go through a pregnancy with no hope like my second <laughs> loss I I was like I'm gonna lose this one and um obviously I did <laughs> but um it was very very early both both losses were very very early the first one I was very sick very very sick and I was wasn't on my radar I I have three kids here on earth and um I just didn't think that I could yeah you think when you're sick and like the
2: symptoms are there like obviously everything's doing what it's supposed to you know yeah I
1: felt everything I'd felt before um but then on my birthday I started bleeding I'm
2: so sorry
1: and then I was like Mm -hmm. this is it like I've I've lost the baby and I cried so Mm -hmm. much and um, my husband and my mom were like, no, no, you like women bleed all the time in their pregnancies. And, you know, you can have a period, like the whole time. And I'm like, yeah, but I've had three kids mm-hmm. and I've never, ever, bled ever. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. I, mean, I think sometimes actually- you have this like
2: innate knowing too. Like, I think you're kind of prepared in a way. Um, like I woke up that morning knowing that, My baby was gone, just not fully knowing it, you know, like I hadn't hadn't been confirmed, but my, like I I knew. And sometimes I think you can just, you just know, and it's the worst kind of
1: knowing. Yeah. I know a lot of women have said to me that, you know, I didn't know. I went in and got a scan, you know, thinking it was all going to be fine. Mm
0: -hmm. And then
1: there's no heartbeat. And they said, you know, I was sitting there like, what are you talking about? confused and just you know and and that one's and sometimes those are harder like the yeah. one where I went
2: in and my little girl was with me I had no idea that it wasn't going to be this perfect sweet growing baby in there you know I had no idea I was completely caught off guard
1: yeah cause sometimes... I don't know
2: it's easier to go in like having like this deep knowing or <laughs> to be caught off guard
1: yeah sometimes sometimes you just don't know at all and you have no no sense or feeling of it and I've heard you know sometimes it's been gone for a while the baby's been gone for a Mm -hmm. while and you didn't know and I think that hurts because you're like well how did I not know the first my first loss I had a blighted ovum and (laughs) um, that hit me so hard I I felt like there was a baby in there I you know I had all the symptoms I didn't go in for for a checkup until um, about seven weeks because I didn't want any interruptions, basically. I didn't want to go to the hospital and go to the doctors and stuff. I wanted to just be all natural and, like, not go to the doctor unless I'm worried. Um, And then I started bleeding on my birthday and I was like, well, I'm going to leave a little bit longer because it might be fine. (laughs) you know yeah. i got convinced <laughs> i got convinced i cried and i was like this is it and and then they convinced me my my husband and my mom they were just trying to be nice and they convinced me and i was like yeah okay it's going to be fine and then a few days later i went and, and got a checkup and and they said you know what are your dates and i sort of said what i felt were my dates what i thought were my dates and they were like well you're measuring like a week behind and you know there's no i can't see a baby in here yet like it's a there's just the sack. And they said, but the baby could still be in there. It's just we can't see it because the baby can be so, still so tiny. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I was like,
1: <clears throat> okay. All right. I was so unsatisfied and left. The- you go in expecting to see like the sweetest yeah. baby and the sweetest heartbeat. And then you're like, now what? Yeah, what is this thing? And then they're like, oh, mm-hmm. no, just come in next week and we'll see if it's grown. And then you're like, well. in a can- week is
2: the heart longest time to have to be. I'm like can I come in in an hour <laughs>
1: <And> they're <laughs> like the to see if there's growth <laughs> and I, I'm like but I, my heart cannot handle it my yeah. anxiety cannot handle it you've got to tell me right now it's so bad and then I had to wait like two months to like get rid of everything it took it's, it's- not a fast process no no
2: and your body's and just not what they tell you and it's not a heavy period it's
1: no, I'm, I'm pretty sure a heavy period doesn't give you like a sack.
2: Hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't have tissue. That's kind of like
1: that was just you know, heavy... I've got to say, I, yeah. I have a picture of it on my phone to scare anyone who looks at my images. <laughs> yeah. Well, I felt like weird because, like, I've seen some people have a baby at the like mm-hmm. yeah it's still like they've lost the baby but they they can hold the baby and there's a baby uh but for me it was just a sack so I was like well I want a picture <laughs> yeah. yeah like you know it's just it's- like a big ball of whatever it was but but it's evidence of what you went
2: through it's evidence that there was a baby in there that you loved and you cared for and you were so excited about yeah And image you should be proud
1: of it was just so surreal and yeah and my husband wasn't in the room i like at first i just went into i started going into labor and i was like this is labor okay you just know when when you start Mm -hmm. the labor process like after you've had you know living children with labors yeah like instant just yep this is labor this is happening Mm -hmm. this is a load of crap (laughs) yeah it's not
2: on (laughs) what is this no yeah my first one um i had never had a baby before my first um, pregnancy was a miscarriage and they were like it's just like a heavy period no
0: i really hope you enjoyed the first part of this podcast If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit thejoyofsunflowers.com. Please note that all speakers, including experts and professionals, express information, views and opinions that should not be used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any medical conditions. If you have a medical issue, please consult a qualified professional. Speakers voice their own views, opinions and conclusions, and they may not reflect the views, opinions and conclusions of other speakers. Ella Rose, The Joy of Sunflowers and its sponsors may not endorse all or any of the views, opinions or conclusions expressed.